The Onion is one of the internet's best sources of satirical news and entertainment. Today, I talked to staff engineer Colin Miller about how they're using design systems to help their teams communicate and speed up the publication process. This is Design Driven, the podcast about using design thinking to build great products and lasting companies. Whether you're running a startup or trying something new inside of Fortune 1000, the tools, methods, and insights we talk about will help you create things people love. And now, your host, Jay Cornelius. Hey, everybody. We are excited today to have Colin Miller. He is a staff engineer at The Onion. You're probably familiar with The Onion for all their satirical stories and all that stuff that makes you laugh. Um, we, they do great work up there, and we're, uh, we're eager to talk to Colin about what he's doing. So, hey, Colin, how's it going? Hey, Jay. It's going pretty well. I'm glad to be here today. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So are you in Chicago or just outside Chicago? Where are you? Uh, yes, our offices are in Chicago. We are not quite downtown. We're very close to the Loop, if anyone's familiar with that geography. I love the Loop. Maybe like one or two train stops away. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So for those people who might not have heard of The Onion, can you tell us a little bit about what it is and uh, why it's important and what you do there? Yeah, The Onion got started in Madison, Wisconsin in somewhere around 1986-1987 as a, a humor publication. And their focus of humor is satire. Uh some of the, to clarify sort of what differentiates satire from straight up humor would be that satire tends to have some sort of uh, subtext or point of view that's in the humor. And the idea is that the reader reads the, the, the joke and laugh at the joke and then can sort of piece together the, the point of view or the subtext in it. Right. Sort of the, the highest ideal of satire. And then sometime in the last 10 years, uh, I think it was about, I'm going to get the date wrong, sometime around 2014, 2015, the print publication, because that was originally in newsprint, the print operation shut down, and it's been solely online ever since then. And uh, I work on the product team at The Onion, and so we work on maintaining the website. In that team, we also run, when it was print publication, Sort of the first few pages were the satire, and then beyond that were uh, what do they what do they call them now? The, the classified ads, and then something called the AV Club, uh, which mm-hmm. was sort of a filmed television, book, media review. So we have that website as well. And then in the last few years, a third website called Clickhole, which is sort of a take on the 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 BuzzFeed clickbait sort of world of the internet and satirizing that or parodying that. So we have those three sites that we build and maintain. So uh, are you responsible for uh, maintenance and kind of design systems across all three of those sites? Uh, Yeah. The way that we operate our team is that the whole team works on the whole platform. We have a, an internal CMS platform, and then uh, operations to run the three sites. So my role, I came on in as a front-end engineer and uh, have started to sort of push towards some design systems, thinkings, and processes to, uh, to sort of expand the way that we operate. 
Right. So was that originally motivated kind of to make your job easier or like what got you into thinking about using design systems and pattern libraries and these types of, of tools and methodologies? Yeah, it definitely was motivated by making the job easier. Uh, so the sort of the architecture of our system is we have a core platform and then we sort of use, we pull dependencies from that core platform to build the three different sites. And so there's some, some, some shared pieces, of course, uh, things like the, the menu structures, the navigation structures, the, the basic idea of having a content model. Uh, it's sort of, it's, it's like a very fancy blog is what I would say. And so just trying to figure out how do we communicate on the team, sort of if a feature request comes in, uh, are we working on something that is really just for the onion or AV club, or are we working on something that, uh, is, or should be shared at a more core level. Right. Uh, and then trying to differentiate between, uh, an example we have had recently is for our videos. So we produce, uh, some number of videos. I don't know the exact number, but we have, uh, we wanted to have pages that show all those videos. So like, uh, and sometimes they're split up by tags or series. Uh, and so figuring out what parts of that are, uh, is there some layout that's shared? And then is there some skinning with colors and fonts and the sort of the site identity of all these properties? Uh, trying to figure out how can the team communicate with each other about what part of it that we are working on. Uh, I think part of it was also I think because we didn't have that vocabulary, it almost, it wasn't defined. So it just sort of came down to the, the opinion or best guess of whoever was sitting down and looking at something at any moment in time. And we didn't have that kind of a shared instrument or resource to, uh, to check ourselves against. Right. And so now that you have those things, what kind of efficiencies or, um, how has that aided communication and, and actually change the way that you work? Has that sped things up? Has it made uh, cross-functional teams easier to work on? Like, what, what, what have you seen? I would say we are in the middle of this process, but we have seen some advantages, some, some benefits to it in terms of the communication. And I would say speed to deployment. We kind of always had this ideal that we could come up with a feature and build it once and release it on all of the sites. But that was never something that really came to fruition uh, until maybe in the past three to six months we started to have success. Uh, and I think that really just came from orienting the mindset of the team around thinking and components that way uh, to the level of, uh, and at this point, our project manager, uh, our entire design team, all of the developers uh, have this vocabulary of, of thinking about things as a component. And so while we don't have a lot of hard and fast rules about how we do it. It is the uh, it's the way that we get into a conversation. When we have a new feature, uh, everybody is, is thinking about does this fit? Where does this fit? Uh, what is this? Is this something that we can reuse? Uh, so it's definitely it's it's reoriented the the process of how we think about and just uh, go through our steps of building something. Yeah, so it sounds like it's changed the way that you talk about the process of building things in addition to made it easier to um, communicate about particular elements or organisms within that system. Yeah, 
Uh, and I would say that is the, that's the place where, where we've had the most success. I think there's definitely a challenge in trying to convince people to change, uh, the way that they work and the tools that they use and the things that they deliver. Uh, but what's a little bit easier is to change the vocabulary that people talk about things with. And I found, right. I feel like if you get people to change that, then the rest of it starts to happen a little bit, uh, at the far end, sort of like if you try to change the beginning, the end will end up different. Right. So you're just kind of changing the way you're framing that discussion. And as a result of that, you tend to get more alignment um, as you're having that actual discussion. Yeah. Uh, like one thing that was really helpful, uh, when we first, this, uh, so sort of the, the, the background on where this came from was I was working on some project, working on a, a bug fix in a style sheet. And I kind of threw up my hands and said, uh, Hey, what's going on here? Uh, this doesn't make any sense to me. We don't have a, a defined way to talk about the things that we're talking about right here. And I feel like we're just making decisions in the moment rather than aligned with some process. And so we, we had a meeting, uh, we talked about some of these things and what came out of that was a series of regular meetings between some of the developers and the design team and the project manager of doing sort of something like an inventory on some designs and, uh, just talking about the, the component architecture and structure, we went through the, uh, you, you were referencing the atomic design patterns just a right. moment ago. Yep. So we sort of, we, we went through that, explained what it was, uh, giving the idea of thinking of it from the, the, the smallest to the biggest, uh, thinking in terms of, uh, things that are made of nothing else and things that are made of other things in that direction. Right. Uh, and then we went through on a whiteboard and sort of went through a design and, and talked to the big designers about how do, when a programmer looks at that de design, how do we, because our brain starts to slice it up into a box model, right? And sort of a nested hierarchy of elements. And so we walked through a design and uh, literally drew boxes to represent what we saw, all the pieces. And we went through naming exercises, what we would call that. And it was a little bit like uh, just sort of everyone going to class and uh, learning how we think about these things. And those meetings didn't go on for much longer than maybe a month and a half, but that was a, a big piece of changing the way that uh, everybody talked about it and thought about it. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the, the Onion is primarily a media site, so I'm assuming that the bulk of the revenue is based off of advertising and maybe some content licenses? Yeah. So um, when it comes to how the design systems that you're using and the way that you're thinking about what you're building, how do you see that impacting the, the bottom line? Like, is it are you generating more revenue or is it by speeding up the site so pages load faster? Like, what kind of things have you seen and, and how have you seen the design systems directly play into the, the business goals of the company as a whole? Mm -hmm. uh, so some of the things that we have started to do is we started to rebuild a lot of our front-end JavaScript architecture uh, using uh, custom elements patterns or custom web components. Uh, so what that is, is an API provided by some of the browsers uh, with some polyfills provided by Google. 
where you can define your own tags and uh, attach JavaScript behaviors to the lifecycle of those elements. So by breaking down our, our JavaScript into components uh, at the level of the, the tag, one of the things we're able to do is uh, wrap our, our ad slots. So we use a double click, D, we use DFP for ads and that has some JavaScript. So we move some of that stuff into this component world and uh, we're able to change some of the, be the behaviors of how we load it in ads, uh, ways to improve the viewability of those ads, sort of uh, as like not loading ads when they would have been off screen. Uh, I think by, by clarifying what the responsibilities of the JavaScript were, it was a little bit easier to uh, envision making those kinds of changes to it and talk to people about what those changes would be. We've made some, the more I, th I think about it, I, I do think those goals could have been solved without a sort of a components mindset. Uh, it's a little un untangible to describe how specifically uh, a design system helps with that other than it helps the it helps the process at large. Uh, I think that's sort of the, the the harder thing to to present to someone and justify is that this way of thinking, this way of approaching the work will make the work faster. And that's something that is uh, an ongoing challenge is how to get buy-in. Right. So how, how have you done that when you've had to talk with people on the management team or in the leadership about the value of these design systems? What do you tell them and, and what do, how do they respond? Uh, the, the way that I talked about it when I first I was able to get more buy-in on this was uh, I am interested in there's a, a field of academics called activity theory, which is uh, was a Russian social science uh, in the early 1900s, and then there was the whole World Wars thing, so it sort of uh, disappeared from the face of the planet for a while. And then it showed up in the 70s and 80s in Finland. And it is, it's called a theory, but it's more just a, a descriptive vocabulary for describing human activities. And so I use that as the, as the, the basis for explaining why, uh, why we needed to let the, the developers infect the rest of the process with this component architecture of thinking. And the justification for that was uh, in this uh, activity theory world, you, you break things down into systems of activity. Uh, so the two systems of activity that I broke down were the designing activity and the development activity. And they arrange a system of activity based on what is the goal of this, what is the outcome that you're trying to build to. And so I, I sort of, I, I said that if the, the goal of design is to turn requirements into a specification of what needs to be built. And the, the goal of the developer is to take the specification and turn it into a deployed website that's bringing in revenue. Uh, right. What happens there is that means that the, the output of one activity is the input of the other activity. Mm -hmm. And the, one of the ideas of activity theory uh, 
is this idea of, they say that activities are dialectical. And what they mean by that is that any two parts of the activity, uh, if you change one, the rest of the, the parts of that system will change at the same time. Uh, so they're sort of, they're densely interconnected things, human activities. Uh, so the, the suggestion was then if you have, if this is true of a single system of activity, we're changing one part of it. Like if you change your tools, if you change your rules, if you hire a new person, everything about the process will change uh, by introducing that new piece. Right. Uh, so the suggestion was if then you have two connected systems of activity, uh, as a developer, if my input is the output from the, de the designer, if I want to change the way that I work, I necessarily change uh, my inputs. And if I necessarily change my inputs, I necessarily change the designer's outputs. Uh, and so the, the justification for this was saying, hey, we as developers would like to change some of the architecture of, of this. Uh, unfortunately, that means we can't succeed unless everybody uh, makes a similar change. Right, and so the the design system and the the style guides and those tools um, do those facilitate that common language so that everyone is changing in the same way? Yeah, I, I, and I think that was sort of where the the outcome of, of then bringing people in, starting to build that language, so when they are uh, planning out a design, they can come to us now with with those thoughts in mind. Uh, sort of more right. concretely, once you get to a design system that is maybe. Uh, represented by a living style guide, and this is the part where we haven't gotten to quite yet. Uh, it sort of it takes a long time to be able to turn over your code uh, and be able to drive that style guide from the code. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but I think some of the that justification seemed to be a good way to to get things started without having to. Uh, justify it with math and science. Right. So it sounds like um, there's a bit of a waterfall process from department to department. Mm -hmm. um, are you using Agile or any other methodologies within departments, or how does that work as you're dealing with kind of cross-functional teams and collaborating on, on building things? What, what's that environment, and what are those conversations like? Uh. We, I think we definitely we do end up being in a bit of a waterfall kind of a situation because we have the way that our relationships are, are set up between the editorial teams and the product team uh, historically has, has made that be the way it is. We, we do kind of have to uh, stop and turn on a dime and uh, push out what is needed by editorial uh, sort of without any regard for uh, how we might do it if we were only a software shop without having our clients in-house. I don't know that we have yet gotten to a point where we're able to appreciate the benefits of change on that level from going to a components architecture. So how have you seen the use of those components and those systems impact usage of the site? Like, Have you seen um, an increase in traffic or a decrease in support requests or, or anything along those lines? Uh, I think... Something we've definitely seen is, uh, I was describing earlier, we had a feature which was a, a, a catalog of all the videos for a site uh, split up. Uh, some of the sites split their videos into seasons and series, 
and tags. So we sort of built a, a, a discovery portal for all the sites, for all the videos for one site. And we were able to deliver that uh, across our three sites in once we built the core components, it took the developer who was uh, tasked on that a few days on each of the individual sites to integrate it. Uh, so I don't know specifically what the the return on sort of uh, traffic metrics are on that, but we were able to deliver a feature to uh, all three of our editorial teams uh, very, very quickly, which is a, a drastic change from the way things were before. Yeah, so it sounds like it sped up the design and deployment process significantly. Mm-hmm. So what kind of metrics, if any, are you tracking about how the usage of these systems is impacting either performance of the teams or performance of the site or ultimately helping to drive uh, business goals? Uh, I guess our, so our indicators are page views and uh, ad trafficking. Uh, We don't have any tracking of sort of speed of delivery of features. Is that sort of where the question is getting to? Yeah, kind of. Just thinking through, I mean, ultimately, the reason that we want to use these types of systems is for consistency, it's for speed of development and remaining agile and being able to test and prototype things that um, can happen much faster than an older way of where you're designing everything from scratch every single time. So I'm I'm curious, like what you're seeing at the Onion about, you know, are these systems actually improving those things? Are people actually getting more done? Are you able to ship more code? Are you able to um, to do more work or, or to do better quality work um, as a result of using these systems and these methodologies? Yeah, I think we're definitely we're able to see features roll out to our our different properties a lot faster than we saw before. Uh, Whereas before we treated a feature request coming from an editorial team as something that we were going to build for them uh, and it would go on their site. Whereas now we think more in terms of if we build something, we can provide it to uh, the other team, uh, the other site. And the consensus seems to be that we're, becoming more agile and faster to to do that. We don't have any uh, formal validation on that. Is that something you're working towards? Are you working on developing uh, KPIs around the efficiency of the design process as a whole and, and how the result of that design process impacts the performance of the site? Uh, nothing concretely. That's something that probably will start to happen a bit more now. Uh, something that is going on uh, at The Onion is we are... Uh, do you know the website Gawker? Yeah, of course. Uh, the soon-to-be-X website Gawker? Uh, so right. there's a, a, a large group there with uh, the website, the Gizmodo me- me- Media Group, with uh, more than half a dozen sites like Jezebel, Jalopnik, uh, The Root Now... Uh, and through a parent company of Fusion and Univision, uh, we're all getting pulled together into a a Fusion media group. 
And uh, their process definitely has uh, more of a space for creating KPIs around uh, the process. Uh, and we're sort of starting to move the component architecture that we've learned at, at The Onion and uh, work with the groups under Fusion Media Group and try to figure out how do we uh, use that for this much larger team. Uh, so does that, sorry, does that mean that you'll be kind of, um, blending or um, homogenizing two separate types of design systems? Uh, yes, we'll be working on sort of converting that to one larger design system. Uh, yeah, interesting. So, so in, yeah, the, 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 the process there uh, definitely has, when we get into a project, has uh, this idea of defining uh, KPIs per project. Uh, so the, the design systems project would define an indicator about, you know, if the idea is we, we're coming into this to improve the process, then yeah, how do we show that we improve that process? Right. So I think it'll be, it'll be good to have that, that question more formalized. Yeah, and I'd be interested to hear uh, what, the, what, the, what you see as a result of that down the road, like maybe come back in you know, six to nine months or, or even a year and uh, figure out what type of, of results you've seen as a result of that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if I could sort of predict what I see from that is one of the, the changes for us uh, on the Onion product team becoming part of this larger team is that we are uh, we're a fairly small team, uh, say uh, around a dozen people uh, of all the project manager, developer, designers, uh, and we're moving to a team that is, uh, I don't even know how larger, but more in the range of like 30 to 50, uh, located across three offices. Uh, we have an office now in New York and in Budapest, and the the teams are a bit more, so we're used to being a, a small team. We can all communicate with each other fairly rap, 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 rapidly, uh, and the whole team is more responsible for every project. But because the, this group is much larger, we're having to split into uh, their, their process and our process now is to split into smaller teams to focus on individual tasks. And something that I wonder about uh, the, the idea of a design system is I wonder how successful can a design system be if you have a more isolated teams? Uh, I wonder, do you have to have the team that's working on the, the design system maybe be organized a little bit differently than some of the other feature-driven teams? Meaning the people who are creating the design systems and maintaining it that they would have a different type of workflow or methodology than the people who were implementing it? Uh, yeah, because I guess the way that I would, uh, I'm thinking about that is that the, so if you had a, a feature was, uh, let's say if you were building a comments system uh, from for one team, another team was building a live blogging feature, and a third team was uh, making updates to the backend CMS. Uh, and then a fourth team was the team that was uh, working on defining and maintaining the design system. Uh, I might imagine that the the feature level teams could work more in isolation from each other. And if the design system team was working in that same way, uh, I feel like that might uh, 
cause some problems. Uh, whereas if the design team was more of a, a team that had a presence on all the other teams, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So I think it sounds like they would have a seat at the table with all of the other teams and kind of be as an intermediary between all of those teams to make sure that each of the teams had the support and information that they needed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so I'll be interested to see sort of how that uh, how that that project evolves as we work together more. This is all stuff that I'm talking about is uh, barely even started. Uh, we've only started sort of attending each other's meetings in the last month or two. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So where do you see things going as a whole uh, within not, I guess, since the onion is, is becoming part of a larger conglomerate mm -hmm. um, and you, you spoke a little bit to that a moment ago, but as a whole from a, uh, design thinking and, and design systems perspective, like how do you see that impacting the business as it grows and continues to, to become more challenging? I, I guess I see it as uh, almost necessary. Uh, the thing that, that drew me to design systems uh, was that even on smaller scales, a lot of the, a lot of the ways that we traditionally work don't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I, I have trouble answering what I think are uh, some basic questions. Uh, and I think as you have, I think with the full FMG now, we are going to be supporting uh, 11 properties. Uh, and when you have this, this split between what is the core base foundation of the architecture and what is custom per site, uh, it's sort of, those problems get compounded. Uh, so, a for example, is if you're working on a feature and you go to a site, let's say you go to theonion.com and you're working on some element and it is the color is green, uh, and I'm looking at this and the questions going through my head are, why is this green? And then if I change what it is, what else will change? Uh, those are kind of, uh, to me, the, the only really everything that, a developer does goes down to those questions of why is this the way it is and what else will happen if I change it? Uh, or maybe that would be like, what other things are this way for the same reason? Uh, right. And these are the things that are sort of fairly able to get your hands on when you're working on a single site that doesn't have any dependencies with another site. But uh, here at The Onion, where we've had our three sites, uh, those questions have been, at times, very difficult to answer. And I can see them getting, getting even more difficult to answer as we join a, a group working on 11 sites. Uh, yeah, sure. And, and that kind of opens another thread of conversation about um, if you're thinking about the user's goals. Like, it seems pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. You want to get them the content, and you want to make them laugh. Like, that's kind of the user goal, right? Yeah. Um, and then... Obviously, because it's satire, you want them to also get kind of the subtext of what you're saying. And you've got another group that you're serving, which is the advertisers. You want them to have as many impressions as possible. And those two things kind of feed on each other. So to me, at least sitting from where I am, it seems that the user journeys and personas and all of those tools are probably useful, but maybe not as much so as if you were building a product. So do you have any perspective on that or on how you're using um, user goals or maybe uh, empathy mapping or value proposition analysis or any of those types of tools to fuel your design decisions? 
Yeah, I think definitely for the for the the publication side of things, uh, you're right. There's there's the complexity is fairly low on that end compared to uh, a larger product. Uh, where we have a bit more of that, uh, where we have a lot of different roles that we have to think a bit more specifically about, is in the back end in the CMS. Uh, so we have. Uh, I'm just trying to think of like the. For any given publication, there's the the editorial team, which is sort of the the editor in chief, uh, and a deputy to them who sort of does more of the the run around and sort of uh, crack the whip. Uh, we have uh, the there's the staff writers. We have freelancers. We have uh, a couple tiers of uh, contributors uh, on all these sites. So we have uh, we kind of we do have a product. Uh, that's not external, but we do have to think about uh, what are those roles, how do we support those kinds of things. And I think that's a place where uh, component architecture has a very solid uh, chance of making an, an improvement, uh, sort of because it's uh, hidden and in the background, uh, that's a part of the architecture that is kind of just like, well, if it's not quite uh, working, we can just... Uh, put a note on it and, and, and tell the team that this is uh, what's going to happen. So I think using this kind of thought process gives us uh, the bones and the foundations to more clearly describe how we're going to help out those roles, those different people with needs. Yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. So uh, we're running short on time, so I wanted to give you a chance if any any parting thoughts, um, anything that you would say to someone out there who's considering uh, using a design system, um, thinking through how it might impact their business. What would you say is uh, the one takeaway that you would want them to know? Uh, I would say that for design systems, there's a lot of obvious uh, things that seem uh, like you, if you look at a style guide and that looks like, oh, that, that's really wonderful. And it can feel like if you're not getting that, that you're not getting the benefit maybe. But I think the, you can, there's a lot of benefit that you can still get just from starting to get people to think about it and talk about it in those terms. And you might not have to achieve the, the shiny widget at the end of the, of the process to get some of the benefits from it. Right. I think that makes great sense. Um, so if anyone's got questions or wants to know more about what you're doing at The Onion, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? A uh, good way to get in touch with me is uh, I'll give out my Twitter handle and my email address. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Colin T. Miller. That is two L's in Colin. Uh, and then you can email me uh, at cmiller, C-M-I-L-L-E-R, at theonion.com. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to Design Driven. We're glad you enjoy the show. Have comments, questions, or an idea that you'd like us to cover? Point your browser to designdriven.biz and click Contact Us on the top of your screen. We'd love to hear from you. Tell your friends and colleagues about the Design Driven Pod. Post on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or send them an email. And tell them to go to designdriven.biz or wherever they find their podcast. Until next time, remember what Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, said, good design is good business.